Welcome to Euractiv's Tech Brief Podcast. My name is Alina Klaasen, your technology reporter. This week, we look at the biggest events of 2023 in the area of data policy and competition and what lies ahead for the EU in 2024 and the years to come. For an overview of all things technology in the EU, sign up for a free newsletter or visit the website Euractiv.com. Recently, we also launched the Euractiv app for iOS and Android. This is Euractiv's Tech Brief Podcast. This episode is powered by Google. Join the inaugural FT Google AI Regulation Forum. What does effective and fair AI regulation look like? Join Vice President Jurova, key MEPs and national political leaders, academics and C-level executives at the Collaborative Approach to AI Implementation and Regulation Forum on January 30th. Register for free on collaborative-ai.live.ft.com. Today I'm joined by Aline Blattkertz and she's an applied economist and currently works as a policy and public sector advisor at Wikimedia Deutschland, where she campaigns for policy frameworks and political frameworks, conditions for free and open knowledge, including data policy and platform regulation. Back in 2021, Aline outlined how data trustees can help to bridge the gap between data protection and data use for commercial and academic purposes. Hi, Aline. Hi. So in June 2023, the Council of the European Union and the European Parliament reached a political agreement on the EU Data Act, um, a legalization that was first proposed by the Commission at the beginning of 2022. And in September, the EU Commission published under the Digital Markets Act, its gatekeeper list of online services that have to follow strict antitrust practices, including Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta and Microsoft. Entered into force end of 2022, gatekeepers have until the 6th of March 2024 to comply with the DMA requirements. Last year, we also saw Italy temporarily banning ChatGPT for violating EU data privacy rules and Amazon Web Services announcing a new and independent cloud for Europe. 2023 also ended with the European Parliament's Economic Affairs Committee suggesting expanding the reach of the EU's Digital Markets Act to AI and cloud sectors. So we are going to dive right into this and we are going to have an overlook on the review of 2023 and in terms of data regulation and policy as well as competition and what is to come in 2024. So let me dive right into this by asking you, Aline, What are, in your opinion, the biggest milestones of 2023 when it comes to the EU data policy and competition area? Well, actually, I would um, highlight a similar project as, as you now mentioned. Um, and just to pick out uh, two of them, um, I think what we've seen in terms of developments in the um, Digital Markets Act is really important. And we have seen that, as you mentioned, the gatekeepers were already designated back in September, but actually three out of the six have challenged that in court. And um, so it means that the um, Digital Markets Act is actually a pretty important regulation and kind of companies are doing a lot 
to well to think about how they need to comply to that. And the, the fact that they are challenging it also shows how concerned they are about those rules, that they will actually have an impact in their business practices. So the, the DMA um, is starting to oblige them to be more open and easier to integrate with other services. And that uh, clearly reduces their bargaining power in, in the digital uh, markets. So um, even though the DMA is not fully enforced yet, we have seen that companies are thinking about what they can do and what they maybe should stop doing as a consequence of the regulation. And the other part is the Data Act, um, which, which you also already mentioned, that was, will apply only from 2025. Um, but the mere fact that um, the European Commission reached an agreement is a big step, even if the outcome, to be honest, is more modest than many had hoped for. So just to uh, name one example, the, um, there is business-to-government data sharing, but only in emergencies, and also business-to-business -business data sharing uh, to have more competition and innovation in um, the realm of Internet of Things is quite limited because it only happens if it is requested by users of devices. So it's all kind of still fairly complex, and we don't really know how much of an impact it will make. But, um, well, so far there's still hope and uh, companies are thinking about their business practices so they, they um, comply with those new regulations. Well, thank you. That's really interesting. Do you think that um, the DMA and the Data Act are complementing each other? and that, um, Or do you think there are still areas that need to be covered by regulation? Both the DMA and the Data Act are mostly horizontal regulations, so they apply to um, a fairly broad range of sectors. In parallel to that, we also see sector-specific regulation, for example, in health and mobility, where, well, things just work in a, in a specific way. So horizontal regulation, um, well, it's not really tailored to address specific challenges. Like, for example, in the health um, area, we know that there is a lot of kind of social benefit to get from that data, which might not be the same as, for example, in, in advertising. So um, it, it is actually a big challenge. We have seen a lot of new regulation and a, lo a lot of regulations also in the final steps of negotiation and making sure it's all coherent is quite a challenge. So ideally, The Data Act and the DMA are complementary. Um, in practice, the Data Act is, for example, sometimes more hesitant. It, it applies to a slightly different set of companies only to, um, well, than, than the DMA, because the DMA only applies to the gatekeepers. Ideally, it's complementary. Okay, good to know. So assessing 2023... Would you say that we are stepping closer to mastering the balancing act between the protection of data and its use for business and research purposes? Um, yes, in some areas. So we see some positive examples. Uh, for example, um, the um, European health data space regulation is still um, under negotiation, but kind of moving uh, forward. And 
that, for example, and I mean, health data is very personal, very um, kind of sensitive data. And um, that regulation in currently prohibits or the, the, the draft prohibits uh, the use of health data for certain purposes, such as using health data for personalized pricing or advertising, and it allows others, such as public interest research. And that is um, a very useful approach to data protection because it doesn't rely on the individual to really manage each and every individual data flow. Um, but at the same time, uh, one area of data protection, which we usually don't really look at, is actually business secret protection. So something, so here it's not about personal data, but about data that um, companies have an interest in, in keeping uh, secret. And that's still heavily protected. And that was a big issue in the Data Act and also in other pieces of regulation. For example, um, there is a, a very important eco-design for sustainable products regulation that um, in, um, pre prescribes data sharing to enable more circular economy. So, um, and there we also see that companies are very reluctant to share data. And um, if we get more data to have more repair, more reuse, more recycling, will heavily depend on how this um, eco-design uh, regulation will be spelled out in the details. So there I would emphasize that, yes, sometimes kind of personal data protection is something that we are exploring different approaches to with the um, for, uh, European Health Data Spaces uh, regulation. But we should also look at those um, other aspects, which are often... Um, not as much in focus. Maybe in the future, there will be a look more on um, data sharing when it comes to um, businesses. And I was wondering since, especially when it comes to data protection, and you also mentioned health data protection and personal data, um, we know that Germans are especially concerned about that. And we've also seen this year um, politicians promoting more the idea that like data sharing also gives more potential to digitalization because digitalization relies on data. And uh, do you see this concern in the restricting of di digitalization also at the EU level when we talk about um, the mentality? Do you think that the EU needs a mentality shift for this to happen? Since you mentioned health data and also now businesses secrecy. To some extent, yes, but at the same time, maybe the shift is not as, as large as some would like it to be. So, I mean, also in, in Germany, sometimes data protection is a cheap excuse for an action. So there are other reasons why um, a certain, say, pu public administration doesn't want to digitize. And then they say, oh, we have challenges with, GDP, with the GDPR, so we can't do that. Um, and of course, that's not helpful at all, because then people uh, become wary of the GDPR and everybody says, oh, we need to share more data. Uh, but the GDPR is preventing us from doing that, even when it's useful. So, but at, at the same time, uh, the GDPR restricts certain forms of digitization. And that's actually the point, because 
we say that um, we, we also need to think about what kind of digitization we want. More digital is not always better. And so um, what is important, certainly from a civil society perspective, is that public interest purposes um, are front and center when we think about how digitization should work uh, rather than pure business interests. Um, so I would say that's actually an important mentality change, which can then go hand in hand with a different attitude towards data protection. Because um, I think if people are convinced or uh, uh, consider it more likely that what will happen with digital infrastructure and with data about them is actually to their own benefit. They're much more inclined to uh, share data and, and, uh, and trust others with it. Really interesting. And um, what do you think where the EU is heading in 2024 about what you just mentioned? Do you think that's like also the direction the EU is heading or do you think it will be a different direction? Well, in, in 2024, I think we will um, need to see how the regulation, most of which is uh, already agreed and uh, or in, in the final steps of negotiation, how that can actually be implemented. So I think um, the commission will think less about new approaches and focus more on what to do with the, with the tools they have. And um, what I am seeing, in, in, uh, or, or there are certain signs um, that the Commission and also some national governments are um, exploring more interventionist tools that have become available over the last few years, also under the DMA. And one example are um, structural remedies. So, um, For example, also earlier this year, oh, earlier, sorry, in 2023, in summer, um, the commission started an investigation into Google's ad tech platforms to see if there are certain um, conflicts of interest where Google is favoring its own platforms and actually harming everyone else. And it is already saying um, in its um, statement of objections that it actually thinks that some kind of breakup is likely to be necessary to actually resolve this. And also under uh, the German competition law update, um, there is now a clause that allows for those structural remedies um, following a sector investigation. And there's also kind of uh, already a great legal assessment by Ken Künstler, for example, who is exploring how that could work uh, for the case of Amazon because there are so many conflicts of interest that we um, that it is difficult to find other suitable remedies. So in, in 2024, um, I think we won't have kind of large discussions about where do we want this to go, but we will be thinking about what can we do with the rules we have, and then maybe at the end of 2024, or might maybe even later, we can think about are these enough or do we need even more rules and new tools. And where do you see the biggest challenges? Because um, now we have talked more about data and competition um, with the whole goal of it for the EU to build their own data sovereignty. Do you think we are going in that direction? And if so, where do you still see some of the biggest challenges that 
the EU institutions or its member states as well like need to overcome in order to really achieve the idea of data sovereignty? Well, I think people understand uh, quite a range of different things when they talk about data sovereignty. And well, there, there is a lot of geopolitical discussion where sometimes it feels like it's a race with the US and China, and somehow we want to find a path in between. What I would understand as data sovereignty um, is that we want some form of democratic control over data flows so that they actually serve the public interest, as I mentioned earlier. And um, in, in my impression, platform power continues to be the biggest challenge for that. So it's not necessarily a purely, um, well, geopolitical race we are seeing here, but we still see that um, many of those large platforms have so much power that they influence also the um, political process to an extent that the democratically elected institutions are struggling to have much of a say. And many accept that businesses act and then politics kind of corrects the worst outcomes that we see from that. And um, that structure of power that now lies within a few hands is limiting the level of control, the level of sovereignty that democratically elected institutions have over data and over um, digital infrastructure. So, I mean, I, I think that's, that's a fairly broad answer now, but I, I think that's um, because the, the, the solution obviously then is, is fairly complex. It's not something that can be achieved. Uh, with just one one new uh, remedy, but I, I think that's what we should be looking at rather than uh, winning against um, the US or China. Okay, so if I understood you correctly, you think that the um, real challenge is more with the businesses that already have a lot of power and the platforms that are very influential. So, for example, to give a specific example, it would be more on focusing to actually implement the gatekeepers and we see the struggle with the companies that are listed on the gatekeepers list um, challenging this regulation. Yes, exactly. So we, we think about how we can prevent harm from them. And I think we hardly think about um, what in, I mean, if, if we think about data, how data can actually be used for purposes that benefits society and where um, business interests are not as, as front and center. So we think less about um, regulation that actually provides a purpose or, for example, with health um, data regulation, um, there we see a little bit of, of a direction. Which kind of health outcomes do we want? So we, we set a frame and then allow companies to operate in that. That's a lot more helpful. And we should see that uh, much in much more sectors um, so that democratic objectives and purposes become more relevant rather than pure um, business interests. Okay, so, so more like um, data that is not only seen from a profitable point of view. But yeah. also for general, okay. 
I understand. And one last question. What change do you hope for in 2024? I mean, you already mentioned what you just said, that you wish it to be less of a profitable idea. Um, is there anything else you wish for that changes in the years to come? Well, there are different ways of giving the public interest more more emphasis in digital platforms and the data economy. Um, and I would I would highlight three different avenues. Um, so one, as as we just uh, talked about, is well to focus on existing platforms and how we can modify them. So yes, there are ideas about breaking them up. Uh, we can also think about how to um, add more user control. For example, like the um, Facebook Oversight Board, but just with actual powers. Um, how, how can that be um, brought together? Then we can think about how we can reinforce new infra infrastructures and platform. So we have the, for example, the activity pub uh, protocol that enables a lot of new platforms such as Mastodon. And we, uh, sadly, we can think about how we can keep existing public interest players strong. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's no uh, coincidence that I'm working for Wikimedia because I think that Wikipedia and other projects for free knowledge actually contribute um, a lot. But the, what we see, we, we often see regulation that is not um, considering the impact on nonprofit players because there just are so few. So I think ideally those uh, three areas come together and with that we can, we can strengthen public interest. And I think that's even more important like to think about what we want um, or we, we, we should do both things in, in parallel. We should think about what is the harm that comes from uh, existing players and we should uh, try to reduce that. But at the same time, we should also think about what does the internet look like? What do data flows look like that we want from a, from a society, from a democratic perspective? Well, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. That's all we've got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up for our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Evi Chiori. I'm your technology reporter Alina Klasen and thank you for listening. <laughs>